Back here on Cody and Gold, 11 o'clock hour. Alex Gold, Cody Tapp, Nick Schwert with you. We'll get to the trash of the day coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Pretty funny story out of North Carolina in particular. Especially when we joke about Cody running for school board. It's actually not as unrealistic as it sounds. We'll explain. I feel better about it today. His his chances have skyrocketed. We'll skyrocketed? I think so, based on what happened in North Carolina. So we'll we'll explain that. Coming up in just a little bit, but let's head out to the 610 hotline and welcome in former Chiefs wide receiver, and he's now part of the Chiefs radio network. You'll hear him on the call Sunday at noon, along with Mitch Holtis, Josh Klingler, and Dan Israel. He, of course, is Dane and Hughes. Dane, and good to have you on the show, man. Real quick, we were talking about Twitter. Hold on, hold on, hold on guys. Hold on. My page is going off. My page is going off. <laughs> <laughs> ah, see? You didn't think I heard that intro. That That's Nick. Big intro, see? That's Nick. Nick's all over it. Yeah, Nick's Nick's all over that. We were talking about Twitter, Dane. I'm not going to sing the lyrics because <laughs> that's good for this radio, but yeah. Was gone. Yeah. Uh, have you blocked anybody on Twitter before? Because we were just talking about uh, who people have been. Anybody... On Twitter? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the past, yes, I have. I think there's some obnoxious people that keep pressing or the envelope, different things. Most of it is usually. Hey, we'll try to reconnect with Dana. Sorry, I'm going to put Dana on hold there, Nick, but we're, his connection, I'm sure everybody picked up on that. It was just, we were, we're dropping out. I didn't want to continue the, the whole interview with him, cutting in and out because we want to talk some Chiefs football with him. But I hate to hate to cut him off, but that was, was not going to sound good, the whole interview. So you're just going to hang up on our guy, Dana? Right, I put him on hold. Nick's working on it. You didn't, that would have been annoying to listen to for 15 minutes if it was cutting in and out every three seconds. That's fair. Usually you know what it is. Dana's just got to, like, move to yeah, a different corner of the same room, and yeah, then it we'll all get, works. We'll get reconnected. Have we not figured out cell phone signals to the point that we can all just be connected all the time? Just build a few more of these things. Let's just make build a life few easier. more of these things. All right, let's reconnect there with Dana and Hughes. Sorry to, to, to cut you off there, Dana. We just wanted to make sure we had a, a better connection there. Yeah, it must have been my pager or something. <laughs> There's a cross between that. Yeah. But yeah, your question was about blocking people on Twitter. I have. Uh, most, it's, I don't think it's ever been sports related. It's usually something about race or politics or something in society or stuff like that, where people just kind of push the envelope too far, get a little bit too obnoxious. And it's like, okay, I'm done with this conversation. It's no longer a conversation. I'm not trying to, uh, change your mind. You're not, you're trying to obviously change my mind and you're not being necessarily in a position of agreeing to just disagree. So yeah, I've blocked people. Dana. So there's, we're going to ask you some things about the chiefs. I swear, but we're having, uh-huh. we've had now, I guess a two year long show debate and we need you a former <laughs> NFL player's opinion on this. So I'm going to have to lay All it right. out because otherwise it's not going to make any sense at the end. Right. And let's let's the fourth preseason game, Danon. The way it works now, there are guys, or it could have been the first in your case because the cuts were a little bit earlier. There are players at the bottom of the roster who are still hoping to find some way to impress the coaches in order to land one of those coveted final roster spots or to, like, make a team or make an impression or whatever. I have made the argument that even in those cases, there are players who are lazy, who are not giving their best effort, even if they are fighting for their NFL life. Do you think they're all just giving their best or do you think that there are some players who still find ways to not play their hardest? You're talking about the actual guys on the field, or you're talking about the, the wannabes that want to get activated or get lifted from practice squad 
and have not seen or sniffed the field consistently. I'm talking like the end of the bottom of the roster. Yeah, undrafted like, guy, that's undrafted trying to, guy yeah. who's trying to like make an impression in the fourth preseason game. I've argued that there are still guys in those situations who aren't trying hard. Uh, I absolutely disagree. And uh, thank you. you may not you may not know my bio, but I was one of those guys. Although I was drafted, I was a seventh round pick. I was on practice squad for the first 10 weeks of the season and then got activated and wind up being activated for the rest of my career and, uh, wind up being a four-time captain. And, uh, so to say, and, and so I'm saying from experience as well as what I see from these players, if you want to keep your job and the NFL stands for not for long, um, Al Saunders, who was my wide receiver coach, who wind up being a really, really good, Offensive coordinator once said that it's the world's longest job interview in the NFL because back then there were no guaranteed contracts. So if you got cut on Tuesday or you got cut on Monday after a game, that was the last check that you were going to get. You were officially unemployed. So I say all that because it's hard for me to then say there are guys that don't try hard when there are so many other people that are chomping at the bit, waiting for an opportunity to come in, just try out, never mind make a team. So I never experienced that, and I can't believe that Andy Reid, uh, an Andy Reid-run organization, would ever put up with that. Now, maybe if we were talking about Todd Haley and Scott Pioli, <laughs> that might be a different answer, but this organization, the way it's run from top to bottom, like these guys put their all their heart out on the field in the preseason, offseason, OTAs, on practice squad right now waiting for that opportunity. So, uh, yeah, I would probably disagree with you on that. That's a shame. I was thinking maybe, like, well, <laughs> hey, you. aren't there guys who don't want their job, who, like, say they want to be NFL players, Dana, but just like, eh, I do this, but I'm not really trying to Oh, I'm sure team. there are guys that, well, I guess if you want to say 100% of their effort is probably not 100% of the players. There's nothing that's 100%. So maybe that's kind of the the fine print on that answer that I would add to, but for the most like, part, yeah, for the most part, guys are you know they're putting it all out there on the line every single day. They might get into a comfort zone where it might look like cruise control, but I guarantee, you know, if Andy Reid, just like your boss, just like any of our bosses, might say, hey, you know, you need to step up production, or we need to be better. You were stuttering too much on air, or you know, we didn't go to commercial break as smoothly, you would tighten it up. Doesn't mean that you weren't given 100%. You just have to tighten the screws up a little bit. So I think that's that's the declaration that I would make on that. We're talking to Danon Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver. And I would imagine as a former wide receiver in the league, if I told you you'd be part of a game and maybe you had in college, I don't know, where 68 times your quarterback was going to throw the football and only run it six times, I, I would imagine the wide receiver room would be pretty happy about that. 1,000% happy. It'd be like Christmas <laughs> times Christmas <laughs> times Christmas for any wide receiver. Now, I like I liked to block. I like the physicality of the game personally, but that's not necessarily how and why we got to the NFL. We got there because we could catch the ball and make plays. So anytime you would have an opportunity, if somebody, if Paul Hackett or Jimmy Ray or Marty Schottenheimer would have told me back in the day that, hey, we're going we're gonna to have a game where we're going to throw the ball 68 times, I mean, I would have I would have gotten a massage before the game. I would have gotten I would have had the best treatment ever. 
hydrated and everything, I would have been like, okay, yeah, game on. So, yeah, the players, the wide receivers specifically love it when you have opportunities like that. And he hit, what, 11 different receivers in the game, so everybody had a chance to eat. And you got the win as well. So that's the other caveat is now as a wide receiver, wide receiver, you recognize, hey, there might be another game where we throw the ball over 60 times because we actually got the win in this one. So that kind of propels you and keeps you your adrenaline going for the rest of the season because you might think somewhere else down the line, we're going we're gonna to be okay with throwing the ball 60-something times and I need to be ready for it, which goes back to your to your comment or the initial question about guys on practice squad, those guys, if they're not incentivized to be working hard in practice, to seize an opportunity to get on an active roster, knowing that we have, we're on a team that is willing to throw the ball that many times, then they're just idiots. But I, I guess, so all that being said, obviously he had a big game statistically. Does that mean I should be worried that, with all that, Sky Moore still couldn't get a catch, Danon. Feels like when Andy Reid wants to get the ball to somebody, he gets the ball to somebody. He threw the ball to Tony on the first play of the game. Uh, yeah, I think that was just more about getting him indoctrinated into our offense, getting him something positive quickly. Heck, we've seen that with Josh Gordon last year, where they just tried – they emphasized getting him the ball. But I think Sky, what we have to realize is that he's already – involved in this team he's already involved in this offense and special teams and I don't think it's absolutely necessary to get him the ball I mean we've seen that with Tyreek Hill you get him the ball early because you want him to have a flow in the game well if you're Sky Moore and you're only playing 20 plays of offense a game then you're just another part of the offense it's not like would we say the same thing about Noah Gray uh you know or, or Jody Fortson when he comes back from injury I don't think so I think you know, there are aspects of the offense where you're saying you're just part of this play, make sure you get open and stay in the vision of the quarterback. And then there are times where, okay, we're going to get you the ball quickly in space uh, to see what you can do. Uh, you know, they were excited about Kadarius Tony. I think there's going to be more put on his plate this coming week. Um, and I think they realized they got, they got a diamond in the rough in him that he can make some serious plays. I was surprised that he wasn't part of the punt return. Yeah, uh, but I think that's going to be coming down the road. Do you think that you, you said you maybe to be more involved this week? Is that just you, you thought that to begin with, or is that also some of the the knowledge of McCole Hartman, who's, who's unfortunately did not practice due to an injury yesterday? I think it's a combination. McCole Hartman has elevated himself to a really solid number three, and maybe even in in a lot of cases a number two receiver on this team. And if you have a guy like Kadarius Tony, where you he hasn't totally been able to embrace the entire offense, doesn't know what his role is in this offense, and now you have a nicked up McCall Hardman, kind of makes it tough to say, okay, now McCall, go out there just because you're feeling 90% or 80% healthy, go out there and return punts. And if God forbid something happens, now you're kind of behind the eight ball with your receiving core because you have one of your active guys uh, your your dangerous playmakers that doesn't know the entire offense. So I feel like, uh, like I said, when I talked with Dave Tobe last week, like his face lit up about Kadarius Tony and his abilities in the in the special teams, specifically punt returning. So that's what made me kind of be surprised about 
his um, not his his lack of opportunity on the punt return. So I feel like that's probably going to change soon. Dana, why do you think in Patrick Mahomes' career he's been worse at home? Like, is there a good explanation for it? Because it seems confusing to us. So, like, when you say worse, like, should we say less great? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> I mean, great let, versus let's, yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. Okay. I, I I don't know. I think there's you know there's a level of competitiveness, a le- a level of adrenaline, uh, with the dynamic of when the offense is on the field, the fans are silent. At home, when you're on the road, you contest with that, and that can break some people. We've seen that break some quarterbacks, and we've seen some quarterbacks really elevate their game in hostile environments. Maybe that's the case with Patrick. Is that you know he's he's got a little extra swag. You've seen him count down to one, two, three, four. Uh, you've seen him talk trash to the Chargers sideline last year in overtime. Um, there are times where he's his personality kind of shines a little bit stronger on the road. And I think he feeds off of that negative, uh, that negative influence or that negative arena uh, in, in on the, on the road. So I feel like maybe that's the case as well. Uh, But like, I think he's great is great. Less great is fine. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I mean, I, I get your point. It was like, we were really looking at the numbers, like, half a touchdown, less a game, which, cause he's got 99 touchdowns on the road in 37 games. He's got barely mm-hmm. over 70 in 34 games at home. It's like, I was surprised. And it feels yeah, like this that's... year, Danon, they've run into stuff where they're playing, they're playing down a little bit to their competition. I wonder if for how long they've been great for the stretch at which they have been, it's gotta be a little bit hard to get up against a noon Sunday game against the Jags at home. Yeah, I'd say that could be true. And I say could be because most teams have that kind of lackluster or have had experiences with lackluster performances. But I feel like the loss to the Colts is the jolt that this team needed. Uh, You go back to last year, not saying that the Tennessee Titans were a bad team, but that embarrassing 27-3 to loss, uh, because it was embarrassing in that nature, was what catapulted the team for the rest of the season to the AFC championship. You go to the year before that in the Super Bowl run, we had that loss. And even that 2019 year MVP and going to the Super Bowl, winning MVP and all that, or I should say Super Bowl MVP that year, um, we lost two home games to the Colts and to the Titans that were somewhat embarrassing that we didn't lose again for over 300 something days. Um, so I feel like the Colts was that loss this year. Not saying that they're going to run the table. Hopefully they do. But I feel like that kind of jolting loss is what will propel us against lesser uh, teams in the future. And that'll start this week with the Jaguars. I'll feel the same way. I'll probably have the same answer for you guys the week of the Houston Texans game. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I feel like, you know, you have one of those losses one year where you realize, okay, we're not as great as we think. And we got to focus every single Sunday because anything can happen. And then the Jaguars, this is their Super Bowl. This is the biggest crowd that they'll play in front of. This is the most raucous environment that they will play in front of. And this is probably the best team that they will play this season. At 3-6, and six, they probably don't have a chance to get in the playoffs. And so I'm sure Doug Peterson, especially being here and having a part of his career here, 
he's telling those guys all about the Chiefs fans, the, the Arrowhead faithful, the 12th man, the, the loudness of the stadium, and, and basically building it up like it's their Super Bowl. So they're going to come out guns blazing, and we just got to be ready. Danon Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver. You'll hear him on the call this Sunday on the Chiefs radio network along with Mitch Holtis, Josh Klingler, and Dan Israel. Appreciate it as always, man. And uh, we'll be listening tonight. Players only tonight, 6 o'clock here on 610. All right, fellas. Thanks a lot. There you go. Danon Hughes joined us every Thursday here on Cody and Gold. He's only barely willing to concede the fact that there probably is a guy, <laughs> but he's like, <laughs> generally speaking, I don't think I'd go that far. Is it? Are we are willing to? Is is, no. is the debate over? No. I don't no. So. Will you issue a formal apology <laughs> to all NFL players? No, because and even he's admitting players. that nothing's one hundred percent. Okay, well that's barely an, that, that's just like a fact of life, though. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this conversation. Sure, it does. <laughs> like, there's never a hundred percent chance it's going to rain. Is it supposed to rain today, or is it just going to be cold and crappy outside later on today? I don't know. That feels like another thing you'd be into. Casey Business Journal people feel like the same people who get on there and, you know, dig through the meteorology, you know, I mean, meteorology. I mean, with all, I mean, all it takes is me five seconds to pull up the Weather Channel app to get the answer. I mean, I don't know if I. You have the Weather Channel app? Yeah. 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 What? Is that normal? That is normal. Yeah, Yeah, that's very normal. That's normal. Wait, do you not, you don't have any weather? I deleted the weather app that, like, Apple gives you. Oh, yeah, that one's. I'm with that. The Apple weather app sucks. So I just deleted that. You know, it's powered by. The, you know the Weather Channel app, so but the but the Weather Channel app itself is I don't is have better. either. It's seventy one outside. In so case how do you curious. figure out what the weather's going to be? I don't. I just <laughs> just show so up. So wait, when your kids are going to school, like you like when you know whether or not they need a occasionally I'll do that, but I'll just like I'll go to a site rather than have the app. I guess that's huh. that's old. Seems like wasted effort. <laughs> That's older school. It that is. You know what that hey, gold. More effort. Gold, you know what that is? That's the equivalent of instead of somebody having Google Maps, they print out like MapQuest <laughs> turn by <laughs> turn directions. Oh my gosh. Remember that though? When that was My no parents doubt. still have friends that do that. Oh wow. Wait, no. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even know no. MapQuest was still. You can a still thing. print them out? Well, I don't know if it's MapQuest, but they go, yeah, they'll yeah, go yeah, online, yeah. get directions, MapQuest, print yeah. out a piece of paper I mean, you can when they're out. driving somewhere and then they'll like use you, that. You can print out Google. You know, Google's directions, but it's just like, yeah, that's, that's, you do that's that? amazing. Who me. still does that? But that you was, can't, you don't get to be the one who does this for someone who still goes to the web browser to find out what the weather's going to be like. Again, I check the weather, I, I don't know, once every two weeks. Really? You have children. Don't you need to make huh. sure they're bundled it up just or shows dressed up. properly? You know what it is? Honestly, like, I'll just be randomly scrolling Twitter. Nick Bender will be like, hey, for the next five days, it's going to be 70 and it'll be 35 on Friday. Like, all right, cool. Cold on Friday. Yeah, Nick Bender, Channel 9 Loaded. shout out from, from Cody. Doesn't Tapp. matter. Um, like, whoever Are it you is. that guy? Are you that guy who would, like, show up when it's 40 degrees in shorts and be like, it's not even that cold? <laughs> No, I'm not that guy. But I would just, I'm, I'm saying I don't regu- I don't check it every day. Hey, I'm, I'm weird, though, maybe on this, where I'll, like, every, like, at night, before I go to bed, I will real quick hop on the weather channel and find out if it's going to be, like, miserably cold. Like, the cold next and- day? Yeah. No, I'm, yeah, not yeah. I'm not forward looking. Yeah, like, I know before I go to bed if it's going to, if I'm going to wake up and be miserably cold or if it's going to be nice the next day. I do it every morning before I walk out. Make sure I'm dressed properly. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Don't want to catch a cold. That's not how colds work. <laughs> you don't catch a cold because it's cold outside. Tell me more, Dr. Tap. I'm just letting... Well, a doctor would tell you that, Let's so you can make fun of me. Of the day. Trash of the day. <laughs> All right. So we've discussed on this show before that at some point, Cody says he's going to run for school board. And we Correct. said there's a lot of damning audio for him that I think will really derail his campaign, but maybe Could not. Be. Maybe not. Although uh, this individual didn't have damning information out there. It's just that there was no information about him. We go to North Carolina, where it turns out uh, a county... In North Carolina called Haywood County. 
elected a 21-year-old college student with no experience for the Haywood County tax collector. He won the election, fair and square. But he's just a random college kid. It's a great photo of him wearing a Fallout T-shirt, like the video, um, and, a, and an unbuttoned game. flannel. And he could not look. He could. His look beard. Much. Actually, you know what? His beard looks like mine in six months. Oh. He looks disheveled. He right? does. He does. He he won though. When's the last time that guy showered before that picture? Oh man, I don't know. He but should take care of those eyebrows too. And he should clean those up. He basically is one of the few counties in that state that still elect instead of uh, just hire. And he has no experience. And so now he's got a, he won by, what is that? 1,200 votes, 1,400 votes. Fair and square. He's still a senior at he beat, UNC he, Asheville. He, he beat, beat the incumbent. He did. He beat the, he beat the guy that, by the way, uh, was running and had recorded the largest, had the largest tax collection in the county's history. $40 and he lost. million he dollars lost. annually this kid has to collect. So you're talking about. Uh, jail, mm-hmm. medical services, locally paid teachers, animal shelters. This guy is going to be responsible for collecting taxes for an entire county, and he has zero experience it whatsoever. Says, and it says he will take the off take office, becoming the boss of a staff who all know more about the job than he does, from the basics of collections to the computer system to financial procedures. This guy's name is uh, what's his name? It's Sebastian. Cawthorn. I like the way they put it. Someone will have to teach Cawthorn how to do the job he was elected for. You think? He's just like, he looks like a burnout senior from UNC Asheville. He's like, I, have you ever done this job? No. Do you have any experience in tax collecting or data entry? No. And you are you, just je- are you jealous you that his political career is off to a, career's off to a better start? Honestly, he's this, trying, is, this should be encouraging. He's not trying as hard as you, too. That's what is most shocking about this. Like, you look at the picture, there is, like, just based on picture like alone, at all. I don't care if he had the best qualifications ever. If I just saw that picture, I'd say, well, I'm not voting for him. You can see just big old belly sticking out the bottom of his shirt. Text line's also disputing your uh, your your medical knowledge on colds. Not how colds work? It's how do they work? Then? No, no, yeah. Viruses and bacteria over your body. When you go outside, when it's cold, your immune system can be compromised, causing you those things to make you sick. So, in a way, the cold can give you a cold. In a way, they're saying like in a roundabout way, they're trying to make it. Actually, says, they're oh, trying to make it say like being cold. Actually, yeah. the word they use is true. tangential, which is a big word, bigger uh, than you can use. By the yeah. way, the the median pay for tax collector in the United States is sixty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, a lot of people picking up on this guy is the Jeff Saturday of tax collectors, <laughs> and he won though. He won. He won the election. Do you think he was doing it as a joke, and then when he won, he was like, oh, No, because I think it mentions in the article how he went in there, and he like he had to file, you know, he had to file paperwork to be eligible to run, and he was serious about it. Speaking on... He doesn't look all that serious about it. This is the photo they well, have. He's, he's a college kid. Are you, are you supposed to be wearing a suit and tie and look great? <laughs> yes. eh. well, what did you guys think fitting. about Jeff Saturday's comments uh, I, yesterday? He just... Incredible, he, uh, honestly. I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued by it now. Because he just has nothing to lose, right? He really does. He has we should have expected that for a guy who has no experience, he was going to be very impressive when he speaks. I mean, There's no reason not to, to just go and see what happens. He has, he has nothing to lose. He can always go back to ESPN if it doesn't work out. That's it. Everybody right now, there's nothing to lose. Nobody's expecting to be great. He'll always like, be that guy who was the Colts head coach for eight yeah. games for yeah. no reason. If anything, his TV profile only jumps because of this. He's like more employable over time because of this Weird situation he was in once. Just as long as he didn't say anything truly damning, he'll be fine. It was weird. He got really defensive because someone's like, hey, so you're telling me, like, the report is Jim Ursay called him 
in the middle of the game on Sunday is like, all right, this isn't going to work. I'm clearly going to fire this guy. You want to be the coach, Jeff? Yeah, it's kind of messed up for Frank Wright. He got fired over the phone. Ursay didn't even have the guts to, to call him into his office and fire him in person. He called him over. Like, that's messed up. The guy's been your head coach for, for four years or whatever, and you can't have a sit down and, and tell him we're firing you in person. That's messed. That goes for all walks of life, by the way. Firing someone over the phone, that's weak. Screw that. What about breaking up with someone over the phone? Depends that's, on weak the is, of, that's weak, too. It's weak. Anything inside of a month, I think you could probably make a call. Yeah, okay. Outside okay. of a month, I think you have to That's do it in person. Fair, okay. Yeah. I think you've been with someone for three weeks and you're like, look, I'm not really interested anymore. Well, I think you could send a text and you'd be all right. I'm with you there. I agree with that. But otherwise, in person, you owe that that person the courtesy. Especially if you're going to fire a head coach or anybody and they've been with your organization, in this case for four years, now you can, as much as it sucks for both parties as well, like you can call that person in the office and give them an explanation in person. That's, that's crazy. All right, coming up next, we'll get to the Chiefs Red Half Hour and back into something we just talked about with Dane and Hughes, that history of playing down to competition. What's the reason for it? We'll try to figure that out next. Don't miss Royals first baseman slash NFL insider, Vinny Pasquantino, this football season with Cody and Gold. My Twitter is about to unload of football <laughs> tweets. First Jets games that I have free on Sunday. It's, it's go time. 610 Sports Radio. Chiefs Kingdom. This is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold. Every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs. 610 Sports Radio. Chiefs Red Half Hour is brought to you by Greenway Ford. It's a new day, a new way at the all-new Greenway Ford. We'll get to our AFC West whip around here at about 12 minutes or so. Also, a reminder, one hour from now, we'll hand out our survivor picks for week number 10, 610 Survivor, presented by DirecTV's NFL Sunday Ticket. It is just cling and myself left, and then we'll get you set for fantasy football coming up at 1 o'clock with Paul Charchian. But we were just talking with Dane and Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver, uh, in the last segment. And one of the questions we asked him had to do with, you know, what does he think it is with Mahomes, why he plays a certain way uh, against certain competition at home? And as he says, like, so maybe he's just not as great because it's not as if he's playing bad in any of those games. I think that was a, a, a fair yeah, way. Just less great. Less great in certain games and playing down to competition. And you think Sunday's like fits that mold yet again. Yeah. I mean, you again, know? I I don't think they're going to lose the game, but. When you get yourself in these tight contests, you make it more plausible. That's what happened against Tennessee. That's what happened against the Colts. That's what happened against the Raiders. Multiple times this year, they have found themselves in that position against, I would say, the three worst teams on their schedule. Who? I mean, honestly, who are the three worst teams on their schedule? Indianapolis and the Raiders. Texans. For sure. Worst team in football, maybe. No, so. I mean, that they've, oh, already, they've played. already played. Yeah, yeah, Because who else? Is it Because it's got to be between Tennessee and Arizona, probably, right? Those are the two. Arizona's worse than Tennessee. When Ryan, when Ryan Tannehill is healthy, I think Tennessee's better than Arizona. Okay, but yeah. in this case, yeah. Tannehill wasn't, so yeah. probably Tennessee. The three worst teams at the time they played them are probably Indianapolis, Tennessee, and Las Vegas. The three games in which they played down to the competition, two of which were at home. I would say that it's been a continuous trend at a time this year. Now, some of it is what we talked about yesterday, the target on your back stuff. Jacksonville's going to give you their best game, and you're probably going to see that. But over the course of his career, we've seen this a little bit from him. It's been relatively consistent, I would say, that he's played less good at home. It seems weird to me. He's so good everywhere. It's not that he's bad at home. He just doesn't play to that level. Even Nick was asking me before the show. Like, we're looking up the stats. We're like, how big of a difference do you think it is? 
And it's, you know, 24 less touchdowns in three less games. It's not just that he is significantly better on the road. And I think that's I it think, right there, though. What you and to, to Dana's point, it is he's so damn good on the road that if you're asking him to do that at home as well, then we're he's already on this best quarterback in the in the league scale. Like if you're saying like he's so good on the road, could you if he was doing both at home, like then he'd be the best by even more gold by, by even more Nick by by even more with him. I don't think that this is uh-huh. an unreasonable thing. When you talk about the entire team, fine, but when you're talking about one generational talent who has a chance to be one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think it's crazy to be like, can you just be that all the time? Like for him, I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah, look, we in Kansas City, when it comes to Mahomes and, and when it does come to the team, they're graded on a different curve. We understand that. That's the way it goes. There, There's championship expectations. But I think some of it is also Mahomes in the competitive nature for him, as weird as it sounds, much like Josh Allen talking about going on the road to Arrowhead, he likes when there's more doubt around him when he's on the road and there is – a crowd that is screaming at the top of their lungs against him. As much as you like playing at Arrowhead, I think that those competitive quarterbacks also do thrive sometimes in those atmospheres, which is why if the Chiefs have to go on the road in the playoffs for the first time in Mahomes' career, like I think he's going to perform pretty damn well. The numbers certainly in the regular season on the road have backed it up. Like I think he thrives in those instances where – he's up against it on the road and up against it against superior competition. Like that is where he's at his best. And we've said that about Brady over his career. Like that is where some of those really special guys are different than everybody else. The road. So this should be a positive in your mind. I mean, like yeah, as much as like the yeah. down to competition stuff's not a positive. No. And that is a real thing. I mean, we have seen they it. Win. Yeah, it is a real thing for whatever reason. The chiefs are like, zero and five against the spread at home this season or over the last five games. And so they just, you know, it goes back to the, do they blow opponents out? No, that is some, something that hasn't been happening at home for whatever reason. Um, but I do think that's why the the narrative around Mahomes, and if he does have to go on the play in the, on the road in the playoffs, it'll be a national narrative. It'll be a conversation we have on the show if that happens. But Do you think Andy coach is different? Is there, is there any way coach we can... Coach different at home or just coach different? Yes, at home. I don't because think Andy the, ever yeah. does anything different ever in <laughs> any facet of his life. Because the record is similar, by the way. 27-7 and seven at home, 29-8. and eight on the road. So it's not like, despite the fact his yeah. stats take a pretty weird swing in one direction, Homer road, the record doesn't seem to matter. That's why I asked. Cause we, the one thing you're wrong about Nick is Andy does change it. He will go to games where yeah, you're wrong, Nick, you're, he that, you're grinds, wrong, man, dude, hey. I, look, he doesn't change anything about his. He doesn't change anything about how he prepares for the game, but he does choose to play games different. He chooses to play games. Ugly. He chooses to play games. Well, yes, like that he's going to try plan. to grind them out. I'm saying, like, I'm just saying, Andy home, probably he, has the same thing for breakfast every day. Is he more? Yeah. Is he more likely he for to go with a conservative game plan at home, knowing that he can just win that game because they're at home? Is it more about Andy than his moms? Because there's something happening. Well, something's happening. I and, and I don't have a clear answer for you on what it is. I just I think sometimes when we're when we are searching for reasons, I I'm just in general and with coach, I'm never someone that has bought into the notion that. Like a coach is is going to sit and be like, you know what? We're at home. I don't have to. I don't have to do as much this week. I don't have to be as aggressive because we're at home. I think you adapt how you play within the game, the flow of the game. The reason why the Chiefs went for the fourth and one in overtime, despite I didn't agree with it, but I think their logic was the defense was playing so great in that game that they weren't worried about the time yesterday, right? right? I mean, so like I think there's the aggressiveness, conservativeness changes in game based on 
how your team and your your defense or offense is performing. Yeah, I'm with you there. But going into a game, I don't think Andy is like, you know what, this week, I don't have to be that aggressive this week. I, I don't believe that. I think how the game goes dictates how much he puts his foot on the throttle or not when it comes to, you're talking about like decision making and how going for fourth downs and that kind of stuff. I don't know that it's crazy to think that in a game plan, he might say, we don't need to show them everything. We can play more base in this kind of game and get what we well, that need. That was the thought with the Colts game. They got that's caught. What it felt if, like. if that's the case, they got caught in the Colts game. Because right? that otherwise, by, you know, and I get like you have the opposite side. In your side of that, it would be he gets five minutes into the game. and He's like, eh, this game's ugly. I'm just going to grind it out. And I, it could be I that. I think that happens sometimes, yeah. I, 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 It's probably a mix, truthfully. But I obviously think that there's a times he goes into the game. It was just an interesting way to kind of look at his splits when you start going in there. Because you're always looking for what, you know, it's like Kirk Cousins in prime time. Where's the, yeah. where's the reason why? Like, I can look at every possible split. Where is he against AFC teams versus NFC teams? He obviously dominates NFC teams. Uh, where is he in the early afternoon and late slots? By the way, the 325 slot is his bread and butter. His only career loss in the 325 slot was against Josh Allen and what, a couple of weeks to ago. To my point, though, about those big stages, what happens at 325? That's become the next marquee primetime slot. Usually those are some of their biggest games of the season. Yeah. Like I think that's what it is. You know, that, that, to me, sometimes happens, which is why, again, on the, on the road, he, ste- you know, he, he steps up sometimes in those when, the, you know, when their back's against the wall in those atmospheres, which is why this year the Chiefs are going to go on the road to Sensi. I know they lost in Sensi last year. But I think Barbara says I'm wrong, by the way. So this is the second NFL player to tell me I'm wrong. That's not a good start for you today. Uh, No, Barbara, he just said gold is right. Cody is wrong with a. So Andy just gets four minutes into the game and he's like, "Ah, throttle down. I'm done. (laughs) That's it. Pack him up. (laughs) Now that we've established that, can we get back to what Andy Reid eats for breakfast? Yeah. What do you think he does for breakfast? Because we were trying to egg. Really? Toast? What? No way. No, no way. Diet Coke. No, no. No. He might be right on the Diet Coke, but the, the, the hard-boiled egg. guess. You're even more wrong about that. <laughs> Why do you <laughs> What's think? What's your guess? Why, do you Why think, hard-boiled yeah, egg? What makes you think he's a hard-boiled egg and toast guy? I could just see Andy, like, sitting over. Andy Reid likes flavor. It. Andy Reid likes flavor. He likes cheeseburgers. So well, you I think definitely he think there's some sort of bland? meat, like sausage or bacon. I think that's probably in the mix. I mm. was thinking a breakfast burrito. Maybe, mm. like, they do some meal prep on you Sundays. Know, you know... I've gotten a breakfast burrito and like a five week hard time picturing it five week stretch of having the same breakfast item on Saturday mornings because it's damn good. So I'll do I'll get up early on Saturday mornings to record the Becky well stuff. And there's like a break between the next show. And so I've like I got an hour and 10 minutes before I have to get back on the air. And so I'll drive to Whataburger, which is like six minutes from my place. This is five straight Saturdays. Five now. straight, wow. and I will drive. There. It's like it's not far away. What are your arteries like? By Wait, the way? let not, him. Let him. Not, let's hear. Not maybe good. it's something healthy. They're, they're not. No, it's not. It's not <laughs> good. So I'll drive there, and I will get. And they call it a taquito, but it's basically a breakfast burrito. But it's like the number twenty or something, and it's like taquito with cheese. But it's a breakfast burrito, and it's like you can get sausage, bacon, or potato, and it's egg, cheese, and that. So I'll get the sausage one, and it's yeah. You can look up the photo of it. It's incredible, Nick. It really is. Sounds like it's it, high in protein. Yeah. And it's it's really a, up for the day. It's a breakfast burrito, but they call it a taquito. I don't know why. Anyway, I bring that up because breakfast burritos are legit, and yes, I, kinda would, I, would great. Go, I would go for one right now. It kind of, that reminds me of Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky's old tweet: "Tunnels are legit." Um, <laughs> I agree. Legit. I think we can all agree that breakfast burritos are legit. I don't think Andy Reid's like sitting there rolling the burrito, cooking the sauce. Yeah, why do they call it taquito? Clearly, right? it just looks right? like a breakfast burrito yeah. because it's Whataburger, and they they but come not, from Tex-Mex land. But you're yeah, Cody. I, I'm I'm with you. I think it's a well, the burrito. Taquito was fried. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this looks like a, just a I'm flour tortilla. But it's really good, man.
five straight Saturdays. <laughs> Plan on doing it again on this Saturday. So we need to figure out what kind of music Andy Reid listens ha- and to. And it comes with like hash browns. It's really good. We're, really we're, healthy. We're trying to uncover a lot of details about Andy Reid's life. What kind of music do you listen to? Mm-hmm. What do you eat for breakfast? Is Pete going to ask either of these questions? Yeah, he's the guy that has to ask the question for us. I think we missed our chance. Mondays would be the best time to do it. Well, he can do it on Monday. Happy birthday to Pete Sweeney, no, by the way. F- fast Friday. Andy's in a light mood. He doesn't want to take any serious questions. He'd be happy to answer a question like that on a Friday. What do you eat for? What is a typical Andy you Reed think breakfast? on a Friday? He's it's a quick presser. What do you, you so you think he's a breakfast burrito? Um, I think that's a really strong guess. I don't I don't think he's just having a bowl of cereal. Um, so I steak no, I and egg sounds like a good choice, Ooh. but you would basically need a live-in chef to get that done every morning. Also, I mean, he's at the office how, early. He's going to breakfast. Also. Yeah, he's at, he's at the that. office early. I'm talking about what does he have the most often? There's no way someone is having steak and eggs every morning. That's just, <laughs> that cannot be his most time consuming. No it's time consuming. Time consuming. It's just really not healthy for you to do at all on a daily basis. I think that's why I said hard boiled eggs. You can make them ahead of time. You can have six of them sitting in the fridge. I need like a little breakfast sandwich. Like a breakfast sandwich, a little egg and, and a sausage patty or but something. But he's not preparing that at home. You're suggesting well, he could, he's going he could, he could buy some frozen ones and, and okay, pop them in the microwave Jimmy on the Dean way. ones and just stick and, them in there? And, dry, and eat it on the drive-in at 5 a.m. Okay. or whatever. I'll roll with that. That's my Do you answer. think Andy meal preps? Nick, you said meal prep. you think Andy no. meal preps? Not personally. <laughs> Do you think his wife or a chef? Do you think he has a chef? No. Andy doesn't have the kind of guy to pay for a personal chef. chef. No, 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 no. I feel confident saying he doesn't have a chef. Someone says, you're telling me they don't want people at the facility that cook for them. Well, the That's every the other pl- meal. We're yeah, talking yeah, breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we can, we, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of data out there that suggests, you know, Andy Reid has certain tendencies for other meals. We know he loves barbecue. We know he loves burn-ins. We know he loves cheeseburgers. But we haven't really got to the heart of the breakfast. Nobody's really turned over the stone of what he does for breakfast. I think it's time. I think it's time. I, I do past think it's time. time. Long past Let's time. Let's ask every single friend in the media we have who's going to Andy Reid's Friday press conference, and if we ask all of them, do you think at least one of them will ask Andy Reid what his breakfast is? And they can phrase it just the way you said, Nick. We got a good idea of the other How do you bring that up? And fo- we're just – we're. <laughs> Hey, Andy, uh, you know, the holidays are coming around. People are starting to eat a lot of food more with the family. Just curious, though, what is your daily routine as you drive to work? What do you eat for breakfast? There's really no way to just bring it up without it sounding completely random. There's not. about eggs. I don't think about that stupid sandwich again. That eggs, you have till tomorrow. We gave you an extension. So here we go. Here we go. So this is a picture from 2019 from a place called Cafe Ray. And Cafe okay. Ray is uh, located in San Clemente, California. Okay. And the owner of the, the restaurant went and took a picture with Andy Reid, who was in there eating, oh. and he was eating on that day yeah. huevos rancheros. Wow. Okay. okay. So breakfast burrito in play. Okay. Again, that's and sitting down. And stuffed French toast. So that, okay. Those are very different, again, man. That to me, really, you're not, you're not. That's ha- not an everyday breakfast yeah, thing. that's exactly. No, that's like a treat yourself breakfast. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, he's that's sitting, like you're sitting in a restaurant. Yeah, he's not going to a diner at 5 a.m. every day. You want day. something sweet and salty? You want to try part of, you know. Doesn't he get into the office at like 5? That's, that's Yeah, I, I think it's very When early. he had kids, he used to get in at like 3.30. Then he'd go Jeez. back and eat breakfast with his family and then go back to work. That was the story mm. on him. So, like, he could still take his kids to school and do that kind of thing. He would, he would come back for breakfast. Someone says, "Have we ruled out protein bar? Are we? Are we kicking that off?" I am. I. I am, I am also ruling that out. <laughs> I don't think that's the route he's going. Okay. 
Let's get to our AFC West whip around, though. We do this every week here. We take a look at the rest of the AFC West, which, of course, has not been anywhere near as good as everybody uh, thought. I- I've been assigned the Raiders this season, if you, if you haven't figured that out. Lucky me. Uh, Las Vegas, who blew a 17 17- Point lead on the Jags. Remember the week before they were shut out. They didn't score a single point against New Orleans. Then they followed it up with a strong first quarter and a half against the Jags. They end up losing that game. They're a mess. And guess what? They get Jeff Saturday and the Annapolis Colts on Sunday. The Raiders are five and a half point favorites in that game. If you are Josh McDaniels and you lose to Jeff Saturday, who has nothing to lose himself, then he should be getting fired next week. Like, seriously. You think they should fire him just for losing to the Colts? Is that any team losing to the Colts or specifically just this week? Josh, Mr. Two wins, Josh McDaniels, who's blown 17-point lead and the week before got shut out despite having Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. They blew. I saw this stat. They blew six 17-point leads from, like, 1991 to 2021. So, like, a 20-year time span, Gold. And this year they've blown three, and in the last two seasons they've blown five. Yeah, man. It's not easy to blow. I actually five, think there's a chance the Colts beat the Raiders for sure. You gonna bet them to cover? The, uh, I, I take the Colts plus five and yeah, a half. The yeah, Colts to yeah, cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the Chargers, and oh, they have gosh, yet so to loud. figure out their offense. Still, they beat Atlanta last week, but in a twenty-point effort. Staley's talked a lot about how Herbert is getting healthier from that rib injury, but every other weapon isn't. Eckler, Hurt, Keenan Allen, Hurt. They had Williams issues earlier this season. They keep running into the same thing, and as much as we've talked about Baltimore's schedule being easy or the Chiefs' schedule being easy, that is not the way it's looking for the Chargers. They got to go to the road on Sunday night football this week against San Francisco. Then they have to go on the road to Kansas, or sorry, at home to Kansas City on Sunday night football again. Then they have to go to Arizona. They still have to play Miami and Tennessee. A lot of primetime they, games. Yeah, they, they got a lot of 325 and a lot of Monday night and Sunday night football games. They don't figure out their offense soon. They're not going to beat some of these other teams because the one they've beaten with poor offense are Houston, Cleveland, Denver, and Atlanta. Okay, you can beat them and not be at full strength offensively. But if they have any chance of still really actually not just being a game back at Kansas City, but realistically competing for the AFC West, they got to figure out things on offense, most importantly. (laughs) The split between Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks is the gift that keeps on giving because Pete Carroll, I feel like, is taking a bit of a victory lap with the way things are going in Seattle. The Seahawks won again last weekend. They're 6-3. and They beat... The Arizona Cardinals 31 to 21. And when doing a weekly radio hit for Sports Radio 710 in Seattle, Pete Carroll had this to say, which tell me what you think he's trying to say about Russell Wilson here. Quote, if you notice, Geno's going off the wristband, and that's a big help. It smoothed things out, sped things up, cleaned things up, and that's part of it too. We never did that before. There was resistance to that, so we didn't do that before. Basically saying, yeah. I wanted Russell Wilson to wear a wristband, but he didn't. So then Russell Wilson goes to his press conference on Wednesday and says this, quote, We won a lot of games without one on the wrist. I didn't know winning or losing matters whether you wore a wristband or not, but I think do whatever it takes to make sure that we're rolling and moving and everything else. A few times I've definitely worn a wristband depending on the game plan. He just cannot... 
take the high road, get out of the way. He has to, at all opportunities, make himself look as good as possible when everything around him is crumbling. They are such a spectacular mess. Are they bad enough now that you don't even care who their next head coach is? You don't think they'll fix Russ? Correct. Like if Mike Tomlin got fired and was the head coach of the Denver Broncos next year, can Russ be fixed? Think well, about Mike the Tomlin's way it ended. not an offensive-minded head coach, so no, Think about the way it <laughs> like ended, though, in Seattle, where it wasn't Sean just, a, it wasn't just yes, a power struggle. Did. It was a long-standing power struggle. So to think that all of a sudden, after finally getting his way, getting shipped out to Denver, being able to handpick the personnel, being able to hand-select the offense that you're going to run, that after one year, Russell Wilson's going to admit defeat and say, you know what, I was better when I'm just a quarterback and not calling all the shots. I, I cannot no. foresee him yeah. doing that or going or wanting to play for a coach who's going to be that hands-on with what they're running. They're both being very petty, though. Pete Carroll and Russ, like that whole like that must have been sour by the time it like all Pete Carroll up, bringing huh? up the wristband thing is pretty, it's like really, really. Pete Carroll's a petty guy though. I think he kind of showed that even towards the tail end Again, of good Russell's for, era. Good there. for him because I thought, hey, if you're going to move on from Russ, you might as well move on from Pete Carroll, and he obviously has been great for Geno Smith, and they lead that division, and they might even they might beat the Bucks this weekend. That game's in Germany. On, uh, on Sunday morning. Wouldn't you be sort of petty, too, after not just the way it ended, but also everybody counting you out coming yeah, into the season? I get it. I, I, I do. I'm just surprised you'd bring up the right, really, you bring up the, whether he wore a wristband or not. And like, I don't know. That seems a little, but uh, yes, he, he should definitely, Pete Carroll should be feeling himself for sure. <laughs> That's the AFC West whip around here on Cody. And <laughs> He's going to get one more final Last whip time sound Nick in. did that, I literally jumped in my seat the first time he played it a second ago. That was that That's was how people handle it in the man. car. That was very, very loud. Up next, we'll get to what's trending. And we know it's always good to have Patrick Mahomes, but why this year it could matter more than ever. We'll explain that next. This is Cody and Gold, brought to you by KC Bobcat. Rent or own from KC Bobcat in Blue Springs, Olathe, or Tracy. Don't miss the guys' Survivor League picks every Thursday at 1230 on 610 Sports Radio and always live on the Odyssey app.